morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy, happy Monday, everybody. I hope y'all are having an amazing, fantabulous day, however and whenever it is that you are tuning in. We've got a fantastic show planned for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about Dame Dalla coming up later on in the segment because there was a weird, weird report that came out yesterday. So I wanted to dissect that quite a bit because it is quite fascinating from my standpoint but first the Milwaukee Bucks are taking advantage of the Atlanta Hawks lack of star power behind Trey Young and they are taking advantage of it to the fullest effect because if you checked out Friday's episode with Walter Mitchell we briefly discussed the Hawks Bucks series and if you listen to our episode on Sunday around retooling the NBA uh, or I'm sorry, retooling the NFL divisions, uh, we didn't really talk as much there about the Bucks and Hawks at all. And so now two games removed from the Hawks, impeccable, impeccable game one victory with Trey Young scoring 48 points. Now we find ourselves in a 2-1 series. The Bucks came back and dominated the way we thought they would. They could be up 3-0, ready to put the series away right now, but uh, Milwaukee's going to dominate that series and... The Suns Clippers series is kind of like a five seed versus a seven seed. So to be honest, there's just there's not a lot of intrigue building up in either series to talk about. So uh, we will talk much about this Bucks and Hawks series, though, because the series itself is fascinating. Even if it seems very likely that the Bucks are going to win the series, defeating my boys in Warriors South. But since we are hitching our coattails to Giannis for the next ten years and riding that wave into the sunset, because he is the second coming of LeBron James, uh, even though they play totally different styles of basketball, it still gives us an excuse to play this amazing music video that we created back in the first round of the playoffs with the Milwaukee Bucks and uh, a parody to CeeLo Green's famous song, Bleep You. You see, I drive in the paint with my long ass arms, and I'm like, fuck you. I guess the shame from Kawhi wasn't enough. I'm like, fuck you, cause now we got Drew. Said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer. But have you seen Chris Middleton? And although the heat gon' get swept, I wish Jimmy the best. Tell him, fuck you ooh, ooh, ooh. well i'm sorry about 19 and 20 but that don't mean i can't get you there because i'm 26 i got two mvps the way i play the game ain't fair i pity the heat for not getting james harden should have traded color hero i got blocked by bam out of my yo i got some news for you Bryn Forbes hit six threes in game two. You see, I drive in the paint with my long ass arms. I'm like, fuck you. 
I guess the shame from Kawaii wasn't enough. I'm like, fuck you, cause now we got Drew. Said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer. But have you seen Chris Middleton? And although the heat gon' get swept, I wish Jimmy the best. Tell him, fuck you. So Chris Middleton is back. Chris Middleton. And uh, the Milwaukee Bucks ended up winning game two rather handily. And of course, Trey Young's injury changes the math on it, but it's still exposed like a, a real, like poignant reality that we talked about before. And of course, I mentioned Trey Young's injury, but to that point, the Atlanta Hawks couldn't recover from a Trey Young injury, especially if Trey Young hadn't come back into that game. And towards the end where it was like 107 to 100, Trey Young started missing a bunch of shots at the end. And, you know, they got an offensive rebound and Collins would miss a three and Herter would miss a three and Bogdanovich and Gallinari would miss a three pointer here and there for all that depth that the Hawks had. um, A lot of guys were put in positions to succeed by Trey Young. And so without that, it kind of just becomes a, a team that, while immensely talented and having a lot of top 100 players can't compete with a Giannis, a Chris Middleton and a Drew Holiday. And this is a fun stat that uh, inside the NBA brought up on the postgame show, which was that the Milwaukee Bucks this postseason are nine and zero when Chris Middleton shoots higher than 40 percent from the field. And they are one in four when Chris Middleton shoots lower than 40 percent from the field. And ultimately what that points to is an offense that is so heavily involved on a usage rate of their three stars first. And then secondly, the fact that Giannis gives you 25 or 30 every single night, I was baffled when I was looking back at the, the box scores after the game and seeing that Middleton had 38, which, you know, Chris Middleton doesn't have huge games like that all the time. But the fact that Middleton took 26 shots scored 38 points. I think for reference, Trey Young's 48 point game in game one, uh, Chris Middleton, I'm sorry, in Trey Young's 48 point game in game one, he shot 34 shots in Middleton's 38 point game tonight. He shot 26 just as a reference point and hit, you know, six of 12 from three. But Chris Middleton, despite scoring 38 points and taking 26 shots, Giannis still scored 30 three points for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's just a ridiculous high, a ridiculously high usage rate for those two stars. And Giannis obviously just, you know, shot the lights out from the floor because a lot of all Giannis needs to do. And he shot over 60% when I say shot the lights out, shot over 60% from the field. Giannis just gets to the basket. And the thing that makes Giannis the MVP, we talked about this back in the Brooklyn Milwaukee series. The thing that makes Giannis the MVP is bigger, faster, stronger. Giannis is bigger, faster, stronger than everyone he's going up against. And so that made it remarkable for the Milwaukee Bucks, who, you know, they, they, they can count on Giannis every single game to, because of his usage rate and because of his skill set, where he's one of those like five players who you say, go get you a bucket and he'll get you a bucket, which you can't say about Trey Young. Trey Young's an all-star, very good with a high usage rate, but Trey Young's not, like, no one would say Trey Young is, like, a top five player in the NBA or a top ten player in the NBA. And there's only those elite group of guys that you can say, go get me a bucket, 
and they can every, almost every single time, or at least what feels like every single time because they make it at a higher percentage than everyone else, they can go get you a bucket more often than everyone else can. There's an elite few group of guys who, we, you know, we all know Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the guys who we can say best players on a championship team. Giannis, LeBron James, uh, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, um, maybe not Steph Curry, depending, because obviously shooters are, are different because of size and dependence on a streakiness that, you know, Giannis bigger, stronger, faster. He can just get to the basket every single time or Kevin Durant can just shoot over everyone from the mid range every single time where Steph Curry and, and Kobe Bryant had the same issue and Trey young and Damian Lillard, who we'll get to later on in the podcast, don't exactly have that innate ability. And so yeah, those guys who you can just say, go get you a basket, they'll get you a basket. Um, Harden can do it too, by getting to the free throw line as well. Kawhi Leonard would be another one on that list as well. Those guys, um, are elite players and obviously the Bucks have their best players better than the Hawks best player their second best player is better than the Hawks second best player their third best player is better than the Hawks second best player so the Bucks just had three all-stars who although they have a ridiculously high usage rate which basically just renders PJ Tucker useless just makes PJ Tucker just a useless like body out there on the floor um it still makes life uh it makes it so that when you play a 76ers team, it's a little more difficult because Embiid is one of those guys who you can he, he can get you a basket. Sometimes the offense has to work around the big man, but he's one of those guys who can just say, get you a basket and Embiid can do it for you. And you surround him with shooters. And to be honest, the Bucks it's the reason the Bucks were the championship favorites like them and Brooklyn were the championship favorites coming into this playoffs because they have three guys who are, they have three all-stars. They're the only teams with three all-stars. The Lakers had two, and they had two top seven players. So that changed the math a little bit. The Clippers had Kawhi Leonard, obviously, but now they don't have Kawhi Leonard, and they're about to get bounced in the playoffs tonight because Kawhi Leonard basically has a torn ACL. But at the same time, it is so, so difficult to contest a team that has three all-star caliber players because even in high usage rate situations, Middleton and Holiday would have to really struggle with high, you know, 20, 25 a shot, 20, 25 shots a game. And this was the problem that the Hawks, I felt, I mean, we all, why would we all say, yeah, the Hawks are going to, or why would Charles Barkley say the Bucks are going to sweep um, the Atlanta Hawks and me agree with him? Why we, everyone agrees the Bucks are going to crush the Atlanta Hawks. Because they've got three all-stars who can, in high usage rate situations, replicate similar numbers to what Trey Young can do. Drew Holiday did it in game two when he had 25 points, and Chris Middleton did it tonight when he had 38. And Drew Holiday only took 11 shots from the floor instead of, in game two, I want to say Drew Holiday took, I can get the exact number too, Drew Holiday took uh, 14 shots, hit nine of them, including uh Three, hitting three three-pointers, he didn't even take three three-pointers in game two against, or game three against the Hawks. And, you know, Middleton took 13 shots in that game and scored 15 points because that's what the usage rate demanded. And also everyone got pulled early in the game because of the blowout. But, you know, usage rate only demands Middleton take 13 shots. And then in game two, 
or in game two and then in game three, Middleton is going to go ahead and take like 26 shots because that's what the usage rate demands of him because, you know, you know, he's taking over the game and he can create his own shot, which Bogdanovich can't and Gallinari, although Gallinari did have a good stretch early on in the first half. Um, it wasn't quite there because, you know, if you look at the box score for the Atlanta Hawks and I don't want to just do read, I don't want to be read the box score guy, but it is kind of instrumental in understanding, Hey, why is it that the bucks are about to run through the Atlanta Hawks other than just saying, well, you know, Chris Middleton went bonkers. Well, why do we expect Chris Middleton to go bonkers, but not Bogdanovich, not Kevin Herter, not Clint Capella, not John Collins, not well, Gallinari had a great game tonight, but you can't count on those all the time. And we count consistently on Chris Middleton to play well. It's why when Chris Middleton has a terrible game, we all flock in and flame Chris Middleton. Why? Because Chris Middleton is an all star who can create his own shot. And, you know, it's it, if you had to ask Giannis in a like a truth serum moment where, you know, he can only speak honestly, I'm not sure if Chris Middleton is the teammate he would have chosen as like his his partner in crime but it's also good enough because of what Giannis can consistently give you and the fact that Middleton is good enough to create his own shot makes it so that the Milwaukee Bucks can succeed because think about it this way in the last two postseasons where the Milwaukee Bucks got bounced in 2019 when they were up 2-0 against the uh when they were up 2-0 against the Toronto Raptors, sorry, I had a total like just just dead moment right there. When they were up 2-0 against the Toronto Raptors, Kawhi Leonard guarded Giannis, and that was the turning point. They took away Giannis. They had that one elite defender that could take away Giannis. Uh, 2020, in the bubble, Chris Middleton was fantastic. He single-handedly won a game against the Miami Heat. Wasn't great all the time, but the reason that they lost the series was because Bam Adebayo took away Giannis. And then Giannis got hurt in game three. So that was the key to success was that to have that elite defender to take away Giannis. Brooklyn did not have that elite defender. Atlanta does not have that elite defender. Either Phoenix or as great as Michael Bridges is, either Phoenix or the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, which is probably going to be Phoenix by the time many of you are listening to this. They don't have the elite defender that can deny uh that can deny the ball to um Giannis that can deny Giannis Antetokounmpo from getting 25 30 every single game with whatever usage rate it is whether it's he always gets 15 shots but whether it's 16 whether it's 20 whether it's 21 there's just no way to to stop Giannis from getting to that point number of like 25 points a game and so that changes the math because all of a sudden all you need is just another guy and the fact that the Bucks have two guys that any given night can give it to you. And maybe, you know, sometimes you get help from biscuits and gravy. And then, you know, for those who don't know, uh, we started calling Bryn Forbes gravy because you don't expect anything from Bryn Forbes. But everything that he gives you in terms of like that one three pointer that he's going to hit is gravy. And if he's gravy, that makes Pat Connaughton biscuits because what goes together with gravy biscuits. So Pat, Pat Connaughton's the same thing. It's just. You, you expect nothing, but when he gives you that two, those two three pointers or he, you know, he had five points in game three. When he gives you those five points, it's just a nice little great or just it's extra that you weren't really expecting. 
So if if Pat Connaughton is going to be biscuits and Bryn Forbes is going to be gravy, I think Bobby Portis needs to be cranberry sauce because Bobby Portis was the one who gave you 15 points in game three, uh, hitting like seven shots and dunking the ball a bunch. Bobby Portis giving you 15 off the bench when Drew Holiday only had six points and low usage rate. Bobby Portis took more shots than Drew Holiday. Think about that. Bobby Portis took more shots than Drew Holiday. So when you can get the Bobby Portis minutes in there and play him for Brooke Lopez and account for the fact that because the offense is so ISO driven for the Bucks that PJ Tucker is now just totally worthless in terms of an offensive player, still a great defensive player, but just PJ Tucker totally worthless on the offensive end of the floor because of the offense that the Bucks have to run. All of a sudden, Connaughton, Portis, Forbes, they all help you out just a little bit more. So you know what? Biscuits, gravy, and cranberry sauce on the Bucks bench. They're doing some good for Milwaukee, and it's going to help them going forward, especially when you get to the finals. And, you know, the Bucks have, or I'm sorry, the Suns have more elite perimeter defenders, uh, which is going to change all the math on this series. But it's going to be very, very fascinating to watch what happens between Middleton and Holiday? Because this was the big issue with Eric Bledsoe before and why the Bucks, you know, gave up, as I was joking about before in the Brooklyn series, why the Bucks gave up three first round picks and $160 million for the same thing Brooklyn got from uh, Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin, which is just Drew Holiday can create his own shot. Drew Holiday can give it to you, you know, 20, 25 shots a game and at a high volume still produce like numbers that are not like six for 20 from the field, like can give you 40% plus on high volume shooting, which is not something that a lot of players have players who shoot 40% from the field over a long sample size will shoot 40%. But in a given game, based on how tired you are, you may be less less of a shooter. That's why like PJ Tucker, they take him out of the offense is okay. But PJ Tucker now just becomes a voracious off ball defender on whoever it is. He's guarding for the Atlanta Hawks, whether it be, you know, Gallinari's going crazy. Well, Tucker can take away Gallinari. If it's going to be Bogdanovich, well, Tucker can take away Bogdanovich and make him shoot three for 16 from the floor. Like he did yesterday, by the way, Bogdanovich. Woof. 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 I say every team needs a Bogdanovich in the playoffs, but woof, that one was rough for Bogdanovich. So uh, to that point, it's just PJ Tucker gives you voracious defense that can wear you out. Like guarding the best defender on the other team is re- or guarding the best player. Be guarding the best player on the other team is really difficult. And PJ Tucker does it? It's why when Kawhi Leonard switched on Giannis in the, the Toronto series back in 2019, there was concerns like, okay, Kawhi's offensive production is going to dip because you know his shots are more rushed, his shots are going to come up short. You get to be more gassed when you have to off-ball guard a defender like Giannis, and so it's that same idea where PJ Tucker is a non-factor in the offense. Okay, we need you to be a voracious defender. PJ Tucker, which PJ Tucker's always been a three and D guy, but now they've just taken the three out of the equation. And so it's, it's an effective strategy only because as we were talking about with holiday a second ago, before I got sidetracked, 
Drew Holiday can create his own shot. Eric Bledsoe could not create his own shot. And that's why they were willing to make such a significant payment to go get him. Because when Chris Middleton is having an off night and maybe they're playing a team that can guard Giannis per se, Drew Holiday at a high volume can still give you 40, 50% from the field, drive in the lane, get to the free throw line. Drew Holiday is an all-star caliber player, which Eric Bledsoe is a top 100 player, top 75 player, but he's not an all-star caliber player. In high usage rate situations, Eric Bledsoe can give you 18 to 20 points a game. In high usage rate situations, Drew Holiday can give you 25, 26 points a game. Now he averages 17 a game for the season, but again, Drew Holiday doesn't have the same high usage rates that he sometimes has in the playoffs. Sometimes he's going to be the where the offense runs through like he did in game two, and he's going to score you 27 points on a high usage rate. And sometimes he's going to fade to the background, score six points, and take less shots from the field than Bobby Portis. But that's okay, because sometimes the Bucks don't need that, and when you're playing a team like Atlanta that only has one of those dudes, When it gets to third, fourth quarter action, sometimes that guy is just good enough. And in this case, having two of those guys like Giannis being Giannis, who, you know, he kind of took a little bit of a backseat in the fourth quarter because you had Chris Middleton outscore the entire Atlanta Hawks team in the fourth quarter. And that is where your differences come in is when perfect example in game three. And it's the reason I wanted to talk about it here for 20 minutes, even though I could have summed it up as Milwaukee, Milwaukee has Giannis Milwaukee has Chris Middleton bucks have drew holiday Hawks have Trey young and Hawks have no other all-stars could have been as simple as that. That's my, that was my analysis at the beginning of the series. We're seeing it right now. But the more complex version to that is what you saw tonight. Chris Middleton can give you 20 points in the fourth quarter, shooting ridiculously hot. And Giannis can, you know, score four, I think four points in the fourth quarter of a game where they just pulled away from the Hawks. And Trey Young can sprain his ankle and everything falls apart for the Hawks because all of a sudden when Trey Young's off the floor, and you have, you know, big minutes from Lemon Pepper Lou or big minutes from Danilio Gallinari or Kevin Herter all of a sudden becomes the focal point of the offense. Now you can say, guard Bogdanovich tightly, guard Kevin Herter tightly, guard John Collins tightly, because we don't have to worry about Trey Young anymore. We don't have to start guarding from half court. We can take away these guys in ISO against better defenders because the Bucks are a very good defensive team. They they were not as good this year as they were last year by a significant margin, but the Bucks are still a very good defensive team. And you can take away all these guys that are not Trey Young and have Kevin Herter shoot, you know, four for eleven from the field. He shot pretty well from three, but Kevin Herter shoots four for eleven from the field. Bogdanovich shoots two for ten from three. And you can take away that three-point shot for the rest of the team, like John Collins, like Gallinari, who had 18 points but only hit two three-pointers in the game. And when you take away that three-point line, game over. 
So Milwaukee's going to end up winning this series. The fact that Trey Young's injured now changes all the math there. It's going to be a Bucks and Suns NBA Finals, which we kind of knew on Friday. But now we've kind of seen it confirmed quite a bit more. So uh, congratulations to both of those teams and to the Atlanta Hawks and the Clippers. Um, for the Hawks, this was already like gravy. Everything after this was a smashing success of a season. You have a huge foundation to build on. Time to find yourself a second all-star. Trade John Collins to get it. I know all-stars don't grow on trees, but your next mission for the Hawks, find your next all-star. And if you're the Los Angeles Clippers, just ran into bad injury luck. Sorry about that. It really does suck. So, is there some drama with the Portland Trailblazers? Because I'm genuinely asking this question. I've read the Chris Haynes report, which we're going to read here in a second on the podcast, because this is a fun segment we like to do called reading, which is basically just, I don't have journalistic insights, but I like journalism. So I just read other people's journalism because it's important to read other people's journalism. I've read the Chris Haynes report. I've tried to follow Twitter and Bleacher Report timelines. I was at a San Diego Padres game yesterday when this news broke and this story was being told about Chauncey Billups being the new Blazers coach, Damian Lillard not being consulted, and the Blazers trying to push Lillard out. But that's the easy part. <laughs> if you're trying to push him out, just tell him, and he is happy to leave. Like It's not like Damian Lillard is tied to your franchise. Like You're giving yourself a little too much credit. If you say that we're trying to move on, Damian Lillard will be very happy to oblige with you. Um, so I couldn't figure any of it out the other day. So I'm genuinely confused. Do we have drama in Portland or do we not have drama in Portland? I don't know. Someone want to fill me in? I mean, send us a voice message on Anchor. Um, send us a DM on on Instagram. Take it easy podcast is the account. Like, I don't even know. Is there drama in Portland? Is there not? I have no idea. But anyways, so the news yesterday that came in is that Chauncey Billups is going to be the new head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, which according to Chris Haynes may not be a may not be what Damian Lillard exactly wanted or was even consulted on the possibility of, which is kind of the cardinal sin of being a, a front office, like a small market front office with a star that is bigger than your franchise. Whether that be Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, we're seeing something similar. Deshaun Watson with the Texans, um, Anthony Davis with the Pelicans, just making moves that put the that when you're an organization where the star is bigger than the organization, Damian Lillard is bigger than the Portland Trailblazers. Aaron Rodgers is bigger than the Green Bay Packers. Deshaun Watson is bigger than the Houston Texans. When you have a star that is bigger than the organization, don't make the critical mistake of ignoring everything that they want because or ignoring their input. You don't have to give in to everything they want, but there is a level of compromise you have to make when you have a star, like a superstar, who is too big for the team that he plays for, per se. Like Damian Lillard is too big for the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Trailblazers cannot acquire another Damian Lillard. 
They got Damian Lillard through the draft. The draft guarantees you, in most cases, seven years with the superstar that you've drafted because of the way that the rookie wage scale works in the NBA. And maybe, just maybe, that star will sign another extension with you. So the Blazers won the lottery that every small market team is looking for, which is having a top 10 player in the NBA that wants to play with your team. Like, permanently. Like, you've won the golden ticket of a small market team with a top 10 player who wants to play for that team. The Nuggets won that lottery with Jokic. The Blazers won that lottery with Damian Lillard. The Packers won that lottery with Aaron Rodgers. Um, In Major League Baseball, for a while there, the Rockies won that lottery with Nolan Arenado. The Padres, my San Diego Padres, as Ted Leitner says, Uncle Teddy, shout out, uh, he retired. He was the voice of San Diego sports for 40 years. He retired at the end of last year, but he used to say, my San Diego Padres. Uh, They won the lottery by getting Tatis. Tatis is so much bigger than San Diego, so much bigger than the Padres as a superstar and future face of baseball. Mike Trout, Angels, same thing. There are certain teams that win the magical lottery of getting the star player that wants to stay with that team. Cleveland, LeBron James, for 11 years, won the lottery on that. And Portland may have committed the the cardinal sin infraction of taking that player for granted. So here's the reporting from Chris Haynes from a segment I like to call reading other people's journalism because journalism is very important. It helps us keep checks and balances on powerful people. This is re- and also a lot of the stuff in journalism is we can believe to be true because of the amount of sourcing and double checking and triple checking and quadruple checking and pentuple checking that has to be done on the sources and the information that gets cut from a story that is being created. So, with that being said, let's talk about this reporting on the Portland Trailblazers from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports and Turner, formerly of ESPN as well. Very good writer as well. Quote, The enormous backlash from the Portland Trailblazers process to hire a new coach and his concerns on whether a championship contender can be built have become large factors that may push the franchise player, Damian Lillard, out the door, league sources tell Yahoo Sports. Lillard has remained loyal to Portland in large part due to their tremendous fan base. But over the last few days, he's seen some of those same fans attacking him on social media for a pending coaching hire he played no part in consummating, sources said. Portland is currently in negotiations to make Los Angeles Clippers assistant coach Chauncey Billups its next head coach. Side note, Chauncey Billups has agreed to become the new head coach of the Portland Trailblazers in the time since Chris Haynes made this report. The coaching search was conducted by Neil Oshley, Olshi, sorry, Olshi, the team's president of basketball operations, who I joked when he signed a five-year contract extension, was still going to have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum as his two stars, and he's about two years away from that contract extension expiring and still has Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum as his two stars. None of the candidates who were interviewed were from suggest were okay, sorry, let's try that again because it's a big part. None of the candidates who were interviewed were from suggestions by Damian Lillard. Sources said not a single candidate who was interviewed by the Blazers were from Damian Lillard's suggestions. 
And although the All-NBA guard has a relationship with Billups as a coach, announcer, and former player, he had no prior knowledge of the past sexual assault allegations against Chauncey Billups from 1997. That is the story from Chris Haynes. So there is some push-pull factor going on between the Portland Trailblazers and Damian Lillard. We can't exactly pinpoint down what it is. And Chris Haynes mentions the 1997 um, rape chart or rape. uh, What is the correct term? Sorry, I want to make sure. Past sexual assault allegations against Chauncey Billups and another teammate when they played on the Boston Celtics. Whether or not this played a factor in it, that, that Damian Lillard didn't know about this and potentially... The fact that he's upset with the Blazers, we don't really know. And I don't know if it's like it was worthy to put in the story that Chris Haynes put out. It's not a long story either. Like it's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven paragraph story. So it's not like there's a ton of stuff to work with there. But uh, it's like really just a longer tweet that Chris Haynes kind of put out. But the Portland Trailblazers are... I mean, what it appears here is that there's a little bit of a taking advantage of, and there's some weird reports about, you know, they're trying to push Damian Lillard out the door, which again, I don't, I, I don't know where that comes from or whose camp is leaking this idea, but it's not that hard to push Damian Lillard out the door. Damian Lillard is happy to leave whenever he wants. He can still leave whenever he wants if, and only if, and we talked about this on Friday with Walter Mitchell, if Damian Lillard is willing to make it ugly. And that is the pressing situation that the Portland Trailblazers are going to have to figure out within the next year. Especially if they want to like upgrade from like Ben Simmons to CJ McCollum, which gets floated out all over the place. Or if this is finally the offseason that they trade CJ McCollum, even though I've been saying for two years, they should have gone all in on Anthony Davis when they had the chance and they should have gone all in on James Harden this year when they had the chance. Now CJ McCollum was battling injuries, which complicates it a little bit, but Portland should have gone all in on trying to get a better star. Even if that star didn't want to come to Portland, like Anthony, the whole thing with Anthony Davis forcing his way to the Lakers and people kind of allowed it to happen. Considering Davis didn't have a no trade clause was him basically saying, I've only got one year left, and the only team I'll re-sign with is the Los Angeles Lakers, so the Lakers should offer the most for me, which the Lakers did because they had Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and draft picks, which no other team other than the Boston Celtics could really compete with. But I attest that the Blazers, who could have parted with C.J. McCollum, the two draft picks they traded for Robert Covington, an extra two more draft picks, maybe a, a Zach Collins or a... Uh, a Gary Trent Jr. I don't know exactly who it would have been, but Portland could have parted with those pieces, gotten Anthony Davis and said to hell with the idea that he wants to leave. Uh, Anthony Davis's don't grow on trees and we have to try and go all in with this current team and get Damian Lillard, a second best player that can make Damian Lillard the best player on a championship team. They didn't do it. Uh, I made the joke with Neil Olshi, the GM of the Portland trailblazers that, he's going to get this gigantic extension and just have the exact same core of the team together, taking up about 70% of their available cap space between Damian Lillard's super max contract and CJ McCollum's max contract. I think it's about 60 to 70% of their salary cap space. Plus 
the contract for Nurkic, which is kind of team friendly, to be honest. But when you're operating in limited cap space, it doesn't give you a lot of like free agency flexibility. Um, they did get Robert Covington, but they had to give up two first round picks in a really bad trade because Robert Covington gets used as the Trevor Ariza role. And to be honest, they might trade Robert Covington before he plays next season for them. And I don't know what offense Chauncey Billups wants to run at all. So there's way too many questions for the current iteration of the Portland Trailblazers. But if they're doing the the cardinal sin of small market franchises and taking their star for granted, it's kind of a it's a catastrophic mistake that might ultimately cost Neil Olshi his job because I doubt that they want to sign him to another extension. He's got two years left on his current deal. And you know, they've already moved on from a coach, which shows that there's a willingness to shake things up. They might move on from CJ McCollum this offseason if the right offer presents itself. So the fact that there's now a sense of urgency in Portland when there should have been a sense of urgency in 2019 when they made it to the conference finals, when CJ McCollum put up 29 points to beat the Denver Nuggets in a game seven at Denver. That was when you should have had a sense of urgency, not now that you've had back-to-back first-round exits, fired your coach, and are taking things very, very slowly. And it's okay if it's not like maximizing the championship window. That's okay. If Damian Lillard's okay with that, then so be it. But there's already signals that, hey, Damian Lillard's patience is starting to wear thin because as much as he loves Portland, I'm guessing it gets kind of frustrating when you just keep getting bounced in the first round. They have no draft picks, no cap flex. Well, they have some draft picks. They have enough draft picks to make an all-in move. Uh, They've got minimal cap flexibility uh, because of C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard's contract. And maybe his his best friendship with C.J. McCollum is enough to keep it around. And that's okay, too. Like, maybe not... like. Everyone says they want to win championships, but sometimes it's just the illusion of winning championships. Like... Not not everyone is motivated by winning championships. The life of an NBA player can be quite stressful, but also there's a lot of perks that come along with it. And so, yeah, maybe Damian Lillard likes the stability and living in Oregon and the fan base and his best friend, CJ McCollum. And, you know, he had a good relationship with Terry Stotts for nine years, and he's going to probably live in Portland even after he graduated or after he retires. Like maybe all of those things are are factors there and they've been factors in the past, but Portland is definitely out of a championship window. They're trying to retool on the fly with again, minimal draft picks, minimal cap space and one all in move they can make to trade CJ McCollum, which is slowly fading because CJ McCollum's value is dropping rapidly with every season that he battles significant injuries from a fact that he was already a fringy all-star. And this is the difficult thing for the Blazers, is that they've won the lottery on Damian Lillard. They've gotten a decade with a star player. They've made the playoffs every single year for eight straight years. They've won the lottery on Damian Lillard, and the draft picks that they accumulate from a Damian Lillard trade will help them try and win the lottery again, try and win that magical lottery that every single small market franchise tries to hit which is can we get a generational star through the draft who ultimately wants to stay with us after six, seven years? That's the end game for small market franchises, like just winning the lottery of not the actual NBA draft lottery, but just winning 
in the business of can we get a generational top 10 player who wants to play with the team that wants to stay with us? And can we trade for one that maybe wants to resign like Paul George did? Paul George resigned with Oklahoma City. It was only when their window started closing that Sam Presti looked up and said, okay, we've gotten an offer we can't refuse for Paul George from Oklahoma City, from the, from the Clippers. Paul George has already asked out because he wants to, because Kawhi Leonard and him are going to go team up with the Clippers. Let's get the maximum value that we can and try and win that magical lottery of draft picks again. Oklahoma City didn't do so well this year in the lottery. I think they have the sixth pick coming up, but it's the same idea for when Portland decides we got to trade Damian Lillard when he has the most value because we're not going to be able to retool this thing on the fly. There's just there's too many bad contracts, not enough draft picks. Um, the way we're going to rebound this team is with our own terrible, cruddy draft picks from rebuilding. Um, and maybe they go halfway. Maybe they get like Sacramento and get the nine pick every year. Um, it just makes it harder to get a, a star player like um, Miami. Miami got Bam Adebayo with the 13th pick. He's just he's an all star. Maybe we'll be a top 10 player one day. It's a lot harder to hit on those players, but it's doable. I don't know what Portland does from this point going forward. And Damian Lillard obviously might still be there, but the Portland Trailblazers are kind of irrelevant in the grand scheme of the NBA right now. Like maybe they're a second round exit. That's what we were talking about last year. Maybe they're a second round exit, but I don't foresee them getting much better next year. Like maybe healthier will change it for them, but I think they're still like at best a second round exit. Unless they find a means to acquire a third star better than Yusuf Nurkic or Norman Powell. It's really difficult. And you know, maybe that's okay. Maybe being a final eight team is is a success enough. That's enough for Damian Lillard to be like, okay, we're good. Like, I, I love the lifestyle. Best friend is CJ McCollum. Love living in Portland. Love the fans. Love being the face of a small market team. Played here forever. Get to make $43 million. Like, I'm I'm good with that. Get to make rap albums and be the face of Adidas. Like, I'm I'm good with that. Like maybe second round exit is enough for him to be like, okay, this is this is enough where the 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 on court struggles don't outweigh you know the the creature comforts that he enjoys. I don't know what the math is on Damian Lillard's head, or if he has a poor relationship with Chauncey Billups. Does that work in a negative in the column to where, as a rational human being, he makes a rational decision to move on from the franchise that he's played with forever because. You know, it's always a checklist. It's it, we do this all the time as rational human beings. It's how do we make the best decision based on the circumstances? We usually like tally up the pros in our head, tally up the cons and then weigh them and then make a decision based on that. That's what, you know, rational human beings do based on their own preferences, what they deem as, you know, what they deem as a pro, what they deem as a con, uh, what's weighing on them, like in terms of how strongly something is a negative um, things like mental health issues, um, financing, things like that, that, that weigh on just regular people to make rational decisions or irrational decisions because humans are irrational beings. But, you know, it's again, we make rational decisions. We make emotional decisions. Sometimes we make irrational decisions because we're, we're human beings. Like all of this comes together at some point and at some point maybe the equation changes enough because the blazers are ignoring him and he has a bad relationship with chauncey billups and cj mccollum misses 
more time with injury. So he's not around his best friend as much. Maybe that's the, the tipping point for and recognition that, you know, your career is coming to a close and all of that stuff. Maybe that's the tipping point for Damian Lillard. Who knows? It's an equation that goes on in his head all the time. And as we're seeing with uh, this Chris Haynes report today, like maybe there's some negatives. Maybe there's trouble in paradise, as we're calling today's episode. Maybe there's a little more trouble in paradise than we think. And maybe that's weighing in the con category for us evaluating it from the side, because obviously I don't have the information. I don't have the foresight to know what Damian Lillard wants. I don't know Damian Lillard at all, but I'm just doing like from armchair side, like understanding we don't have the information to accurately evaluate this and by any stretch of the imagination, but we can do it based on what we know on the surface and lie, you know, these players are reported on quite frequently. They have social medias that give direct lines of access to their lives, or at least the parts of their lives that they want to show. Like we can do like the evaluation process from little things like that, and especially for a star like Damian Lillard, who, you know, we give him, we talked about this yesterday with Kevin Durant psychology. We give him mad props because he has a willingness to just get bounced from the playoffs all the time over and over and over again. And we give people respect for that. We're like, you know, mad respect to you for being willing to lose year in year out over and over and over again. We give we give mad respect to Damian Lillard for doing that. And again, this is something that we do the evaluation on, even though we don't have the information, you know, fair, fair, or foul, probably closer to foul. A lot of it is to fill content on like a daily podcast of something stupid like that, um, which you can also follow, download and leave a five star review on while you listen to the end of this episode, or at least me try and uh, park a car, (laughs) try and parallel park this car while also trying to not hit that giant pole that's hanging out just behind me, Um, which I guess what would the pole be in this metaphor? I guess the poll would be saying something terrible about Damian Lillard or saying something stupid or saying something that's not um, not exactly what I mean. I don't know. I don't know. Just trying to keep this interesting. But anyways, um, we don't know enough about Damian Lillard. And so we're trying to do this evaluation with whatever information we can get. Reporters are trying to do that with the information we get, like, you know, sources saying that, you know, Damian Lillard. um he has seen those fans attacking him on social media and that may weigh negatively on his decision that like seeing fans attack him or take him for granted, the organization take him for granted, um, you know, hiring a coach that maybe he doesn't jibe with. Maybe he'll work out great with Chauncey Billups, but maybe he doesn't jibe with Chauncey Billups. Um, whatever it might be, it could end up being, you know, a difficult situation for him that that works more in the con category than the pro and for a star who, you know, he'd been very consistent. I don't want to leave Portland. I don't want to leave Portland. I want to play in Portland. I want to win a championship in Portland. Who The guy who had like for years and years been very consistent. I want to win in Portland. I want to win in Portland. I want to win in Portland. Now we're starting to learn about some of the cons that are weighing on him that maybe we didn't, that didn't exist or we didn't consider before. Um, whatever Damian Lillard's psychology is, is beyond me and I don't, exactly want to speculate on it because again i'm not a psychologist um especially a sports psychologist even though i like to play armchair psychologist now and then but we we don't know enough about damian lillard and reports from chris haynes indicate that you know damian lillard maybe just little less so is as excited or as happy 
uh, to be a blazer as we think he is. And some of the reasons that are in the con category are listed here. Uh, wasn't consulted on the head coaching decision or the head coaching hire, which means that maybe it's a coach he doesn't jibe well with, uh, that Damian Lillard is uh, seeing um, fans attacking him on social media that he, and maybe that weighs on him. Uh, and maybe it's the fact that, you know, he finds himself coming to the end of his prime. And maybe that means Damian Lillard wants to look up and say, maybe it's time to go do something else. I've accomplished all I can in Portland, and this team will is not going to be able to rebuild on the fly with the current construction of the the salary under the salary cap with you know CJ McCollum on a max contract and Nurkic and Covington and having to re-sign Norman Powell and going over the cap to do that and not having, you know, they've traded three draft picks in the last year now they traded two for Covington and one for Norman Powell. Like maybe there's just, maybe there's just not, no, they didn't trade. No, sorry. They didn't trade anything for Norman Powell. They just traded Gary Trent jr. Um, they didn't trade a draft pick for Norman Powell. So they've traded two draft picks in the last year. Um, you know, salary cap strapped need to resign Norman Powell just gave up Gary Trent jr. To get a half a season of Norman Powell, um, one for 17 in the playoffs against the Nuggets. I can't believe we went this whole time without mentioning one for 17 in the playoffs against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, maybe that weighs on him too, is that, you know, he put up 56 points and just nobody had anything to help him with that. He scored the, he scored 24 of the last 25 blazer points and 17 straight in that magical game of the century, as we called it on a podcast from about, you know, three or four weeks ago. Um, maybe that always on him, like new things that we hadn't considered before are swinging the pendulum over towards the rational decision of I'm ready. Not only am I ready to leave, but also that I'm ready to make things ugly. Maybe he's not there now, but I think it's swinging that way and we're getting closer with more information about some discomfort. And, you know, Damian Lillard's a rational person. He's going to make most likely with the future of his career, a rational decision because it would be insane not to, but it might look ugly. He might have to make it ugly to get out. But if Portland is trying to push him out the door, which was a weird report that Bleacher Report put out on Sunday, I don't know where that was exactly coming from. It's not that difficult. <laughs> if you're going to try and push him out the door, just talk to him, because he's very happy to oblige if you're ready to push him out the door. Um I, I can understand why from both sides. I understand why Portland would want to push him out the door to try and maximize his value and try and win the lottery again on Damian Lillard because it's not going to last forever. That ride of Damian Lillard's decade in Portland, it's not going to last forever. Um, so maybe you try and win that lottery again across the next 10 years. It's a difficult task to do, but by acquiring a ton of draft picks, you can put yourself in a position to do that and by tanking to get the highest possible draft pick with your own draft pick. Um, it's possible at the very least. So I understand it from Portland's standpoint, and I would, of course, understand it from a Damian Lillard standpoint because that organization has failed to go all in around that team. If you if 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 the championship is what's important there, which, again, it might not be. If that's the part that's like really damning, yeah, the organization has failed you across the last three years because they didn't go get Anthony Davis. They didn't go get James Harden when they had a chance. And... They might, I mean, Ben Simmons is just kind of a rumor, but as it stands right now, Portland is kind of with the, for like the, the seventh consecutive year, 
the same two stars and for the fourth consecutive year, considering that Covington is basically just a reason now and a bad contract and a bad trade, basically the exact same roster from the last four years, just with a lesser second star and a lesser Nurkic and to some extent, a lesser Damian Lillard. I don't know. He's exiting his prime. That is undeniable. Damian Lillard is exiting his prime, but I don't know exactly what that's going to lead to for him in the near future. Just swings things more the other way. Maybe Damian Lillard is changing his final decision through some rational reasoning and uh, pro and con weighing like we all do as rational human beings making life changing and career changing and legacy changing decisions. We all have them. It's just not on a magnified stage like Damian Lillard has it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sunday. You can check out Wired Up this week to see our rebranding of the NFL's divisions. Uh, We also talked to Walter Mitchell last Friday. Uh, We had... What else did we have back there? We talked about all those game sevens between the Bucks and Nets. Those were extremely popular. Morgan from Australia was on. House of Phoenix Suns was on. The return of What If Wednesday. I got to bask at the glory of my Dodgers and Padres rivalry. So that was nice. Check out all the cool stuff that we're doing here on Take It Easy as well. So with that being said, mentioned the words a second ago. Take it easy. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. You see, I drive in the paint with my long ass arms, and I'm like, fuck you. I guess the shame from Kawhi wasn't enough. I'm like, fuck you, cause now we got Drew. Said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer. But have you seen Chris Middleton? And although the heat gon' get swept, I wish Jimmy the best. Tell him, fuck you ooh, ooh, ooh. well i'm sorry about 19 and 20 but that don't mean i can't get you there because i'm 26 i got two mvps the way i play the game ain't fair i pity the heat for not getting james harden should have traded color hero i got locked by bam out of my yo i got some news for you Bryn Forbes hit six threes in game two. You see, I drive in the paint with my long ass arms. I'm like, fuck you. I guess the shame from Kawhi wasn't enough. I'm like, fuck you, cause now we got Drew. Said if I was better, I'd make a three-pointer. But have you seen Chris Middleton? Although the heat gon' get swept, I wish Jimmy the best. Tell him, fuck you. Ooh, ooh, ooh.